It's Monday, September 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Markerman. Happy Monday, John. You yes, too. Uh... You too. We're just basking in the glow of the first week of the <laughs> NFL, first weekend, which, which we will talk weekend. about. We will, we will get to the NFL and the business of football and the business of fantasy football. We'll also talk Twitter, but let's start with... Good old Campbell's soup, the <laughs> world's biggest. Much more exciting than that. Uh, you know, here's the thing: it is the world's biggest soup company, but there is a lot more going on when you consider all of the brands that they have: Goldfish and V8 Juice and Pepperidge Farms and all that sort of thing. Fourth quarter earnings, kind of a mixed bag. They they turned a profit, which was good. Maybe not a shock that it's the global snacking and baking divisions mm-hmm. that are leading the way here. Uh, but Taylor, the guidance for fiscal year 2015 was not what people were looking for, and yet another situation where guidance trumps results? They might be the biggest soup company in the world, but they're not getting any bigger. Uh, so according yeah. to according to their forecast, 0 to 2% growth, I think, is what they're expecting. That's nothing to really look forward to. I'm just... I don't understand the soup business. There's so many soups on the shelves. I think there's a reason why restaurants have a soup of the day, because no one's ordering that much soup. I mean, you give them one choice, but you go to the grocery store and there's hundreds of choices of soup, not just from Campbell's, but from other Progresso and whatnot. So I see if that's their flagship business, this is a company that I just can't get behind. And Jason, when you take into account part of their guidance was the company saying, you know, we're reshaping the company, and they'd said that before, but it's <laughs> what they said this time was it's going to take us longer than we thought. Yeah. And yeah. as an investor, that's not something you want to hear either. No, it's not. And you look on their income statement and you see restructuring charges every year. And I mean, that's just, you know, that's a business that's constantly restructuring. They're paying money to do that, and that's not good. I mean, I think the headline from this quarter uh, fourth quarter sales increased. Seven percent. However, organic sales decreased two percent, and that's really all you have to know about this company. Is the only way they're growing, to Taylor's point, is via acquisition um, and and sort of spreading their bets because it's a different world. I mean, there there was a time ago when soup was really uh, a meal, and, and you know. Like Kenny Banya says, soup's not a meal. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and there was a time when this was a stock that you wanted to own. There was a yeah. good stretch. Uh, I, now it gets further and further in the rearview mirror, but there was a good stretch in the 90s where the, no question year in and year out, this is a market-beating stock. That hasn't been the case for years either. No, it hadn't. I mean, you know, they have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. Now, it's not anything they can't cover, but you know, they yield three percent on the on the on the dividend there, which I think is something. I, I don't know that I would I would expect them to be growing that dividend yeah, all all that all that much in the coming years because yeah, they they do have to focus on really sort of spreading their bets a little bit. They're going to continue to probably acquire a little little bolt-on acquisitions here. I mean, in 2013, they bought a cookie company and a baby food company, for example, and that's part of the restructuring. And, and so, yeah, I mean, this is this. I, I don't see any real reason why you'd want to be put, putting your money in, in Campbell's uh, you know, today because I just I don't see any case where it does beat the market over the long haul. Shares of Twitter up around 3% this morning. Twitter announced on their corporate blog that they are testing a new way for people to buy products on Twitter. And so, depending on who you are on Twitter, don't be surprised if somewhere over the next couple of months you start seeing a little buy button. Buy now. There, Yeah. There seems to be, at least in the short term, enthusiasm around this. We've touched on this before, Jason, with 
partnerships that they've tested with American Express and, and that sort of thing. This, I, I, it's interesting because I've seen commentary on both sides this morning. Some people saying this is a great move, this is a logical step. Other people saying, I don't get what this company is. Are they an e-commerce company? Are they a media company? What are they trying to do? I don't know. This I, I'm in. Do the, they need to know yet? I mean, well, I'm, I'm in the former camp. Yeah. I look at this, uh, and I don't own shares, but I'm in the former camp where I say, why not try this? Yeah, yeah, it's a small bet. I mean, I, I own shares, and I do like this. I mean, let's be very clear, though. This is not about Twitter becoming the next Amazon. Um, I mean, this is playing into the, the growing trend, the long-term trend of e-commerce. But this is really about them figuring out ways to become a more robust advertising platform for their advertising partners. And I mean, when you look at, at what Twitter is, I mean, it's the clear leader when it comes to that second screen movement. Uh, you know, somewhere around 90% of the live TV conversation happens on Twitter. I mean, if Facebook is, is, is playing for second right now in that space. Uh, so, I mean, that, that leads to the advent of things like the, the Nielsen Twitter TV ratings. Uh, they are looking for ways to play into live events, whether it's live TV, whether it's you know an actual concert or a sporting event, where they can figure out ways to make that advertising more personalized. And I think that's the thing with Twitter that you know when, when we look at companies like Facebook and Twitter and compare them, I mean they both have their strengths. And, and I look at Facebook, for example, as being very personal. Twitter is very personalized. You know, it's something that you personalize. And what they're trying to do is figure out new ways to make it even more personalized for you. And, and when you have advertising partners that, that see a, you know, more value on that, in that Twitter platform, uh, they're going to continue to fork over more dollars to participate in it. And, uh, and so, you know, again, it's a, it's a little bit on Twitter's part. Maybe it plays out well. Maybe it doesn't. But, but I mean, I, I think you have to applaud that they're doing something like this. I, I like it. I was caught off guard by the people that they're testing it with. More, I saw a lot of artists, music yeah. artists, rather than merchandisers, which kind of intrigued me a little bit. Uh, maybe put Ticketmaster on notice if this is successful. I don't know what the artist would be selling. Well, and the guy, that, the guy that's running this is the former Ticketmaster CEO, okay. so I think he sees a lot of the value yeah, in yeah. that live sort of event, uh, you know, captive audience there. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's selling a shirt or a CD or whatever, you know, I, I think that's that's a that's a genuine market opportunity. I. Watch the short video that they put on their corporate blog, and the last line of it ties into that very point, Taylor. The last line on the screen is, watch for great products from your favorite artists, brands, and charities coming soon. And I thought, that's that makes this move even smarter to mm-hmm. me because it's going less at the, here's stuff you can buy, and it goes more towards experiences, uh, hitting people on a more emotional level, music artists, you know, Brad Paisley, Ryan Adams, Soundgarden, Demi Lovato, just hitting people with something that they have an emotional connection to. Certainly that's the case with charities. Mm -hmm. Although I did notice notice on the list one of the participants, the Home Depot. Now, it'll be interesting to see if this is successful in what ways is it successful Mm -hmm. because I think if they come out three months from now saying, hey, we're expanding this, what are we going to see more of? Are we going to see more artists, more charities, or is it going to be more retailers showing up? I think charities is an interesting point. If Imagine if the ALS Society had that when the Ice Bucket Challenge was going on. You just click a button to donate right now. I always thought that charities were getting hit real hard with the advent of more credit card usage because people have less pocket change to dump in the bucket on their way out of a Walmart or something for you know Knights of Columbus at Christmas time or Santa Claus or whatever. So this could be an easy way. You see a charity on your feed that you believe in, and they're already going to tie your credit card just like an Amazon does with their Prime. Click it, donate ten, twenty cents, ten bucks, twenty dollars, whatever you want. It's going to make it pretty easy for somebody to to just 
hit that button like that. It is. And the only downside that I can think of here, Jason, is one around security. Yep. Yeah. Because if they address that in that blog post. First and foremost, for sure. I mean, yeah. they're smart to address yeah. it. Now, I mean, it's just you have to bring your well, A game and, and, and make sure that people feel like it is going to be, uh, you know, ultimately secure. I mean, I, I, for example, I mean, I, I would, I would try it. I mean, like I would see what it was about. I would also make sure that what I was tying in there was a credit card and not a debit card because you know we talked about sort of that cash mm-hmm. crunch thing before. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- this is going to be something again. I think it, it's it's just a way for them to build out a more robust platform, keep people in that platform prove more value to their advertising partners because, you know, they're utilizing their strength of, of that second screen sort of live event movement. Um, and so I, I suspect that I, su- I suspect that they will glean something from this um, to, to help them, you know, build that platform uh, out further. One thing I like about this is the blog idea from these companies, a lot of these new companies like Twitter, Uber, um, SolarCity, and you got Tesla. They all have their own blogs, so they can kind of put the news out themselves in their own words, and they give voice to their their VPs and their CEOs, and I, I kind of dig that. And the way that Twitter used the video, it's not mm-hmm. just a press release that they're putting out that has to be very technical, right. or maybe it doesn't have to be, but they always seem to be. But in the, to your point, it's a lot more personal mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. I think also they played a kind of in that that recency thing, uh, you know, two two dynamics I think that are in, are in their favor here is number one, it's it's a non cash thing, right? When you're shopping and you buy something, you're, you're, there's no cash leaving your your wallet. It's kind of like with iTunes. You just you can always kind of justify buying something from iTunes or Amazon's content because you're never feeling that pinch immediately. Um, and then two, it's just it's that it's that sort of compulsive shopper thing. You know, when they they'll put things at, at the checkout. Uh, aisle and in the grocery store or whatever uh, you, you just you see that thing immediately and it gives you it gives you that platform when you're feeling probably as strongly emotionally about something as you ever will um, right then and there and, and that's you know that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see how how many purchases actually ring through that yeah when I was watching the video and it, it takes you step by step through how this works one of the thoughts I had was someone at Twitter said to the people who are designing this, get me as close to Amazon's one click yeah. as we can possibly get. Yeah. yeah. That's the goal. Reduce those steps. Uh, Jason, you had touched on companies bringing their A game on a technical level, which leads nicely into <laughs> the start of the NFL season and in particular fantasy football. Uh, and for those listening who are not interested in pro football, uh, that's fine. We all have sports that we enjoy one more than the other. But fantasy football, I was surprised at the numbers here. An estimated 41 million adults in the U.S. and Canada participating in, uh, participating in fantasy football. Um, and yesterday, opening Sunday of the NFL season, and I know this because the, I use the CBS Sports app on my phone, and uh, it crashed. Mm-hmm as it did opening <laughs> Sunday last year. Uh, ESPN was having their problems as well. Um, and what struck me, and we, we talked about this earlier, guys, I don't look at, at what happened yesterday as, oh, this is really going to hurt Disney's stock yeah. because Probably Disney owns not. ESPN. Mm-hmm. But I, it does make me question what kind of processes do these companies have in place? If you're If you're in charge of the CBS Sports Fantasy Football app or the ESPN app, it's the opening Sunday. It's all hands on deck. You've had, you've had months to prepare for this. So the only thing it, it 
um, I guess uh, my main takeaway is I look at this and I, I'm just sort of surprised. Like, really? This is happening? Opening Sunday? I don't know. Did you did you have any problems yesterday? I didn't. I use ESPN and Yahoo on the multiple leagues that I'm in, and both seem to be working fine. But you're right. If they don't have this— Yahoo's, or, or I should say ESPN's was down for about an hour, yeah. maybe a little less than an hour. CBS Sports was down for a couple hours. Um, I don't know. It's it, again. It's just it's a readiness thing, and I, I it just sort of makes me feel slightly less sure about the competency. Yeah, you know, at least on the mobile side. I mean, that's like what they're gaming for here. People want to be able to check it right away, and the first week you got to get your server space locked up. Yeah, it makes you feel like there's opportunities abound here. I mean, if you used to look at like Walt Disney and and uh, CBS, I mean, I guess they're not really tech first companies, no. right? And so, I mean, maybe this isn't really their their bread and butter. I mean, it seems like with with you know the overall market for fantasy football is obviously dropping the bucket for those guys. Uh, but but it makes you wonder, like when you look at these these twenty first century tech developing companies, you know your Facebooks and your Twitters, and they know that those verticals like sports are huge opportunities. I mean, I I, I can't help but wonder if maybe you don't see. Uh, one uh, or two of those networks at some point trying to offer out some kind of fantasy football offering because it's it's really powerful. I mean, the majority of of um, the majority of Americans that play fantasy sports play fantasy football overwhelmingly, and and if that's another way that that these social networks could keep people within their social network, you know, with a, a reliable uh, system, I mean, with a reliable app, I mean, it, it just could. Maybe be another opportunity. Well, that's how I found out. I, I thought it was maybe a problem with my phone or something like that. And then I just went into Twitter. Yeah. And, and right. let me cross check this with the about 10,000 other just, people. I just did a quick search on Twitter and, and found that it got to be so bad that uh, the, there's a, a CBS Sports Help Twitter account and they had to tweet out to everybody fantasy football owners, we're aware of the issues. Programmers will have a resolution shortly. It's yeah. like, that's pretty bad when you've got to go out of your way to tell yeah, everyone that. That sucks. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I was using Yahoo for both leagues that I'm in and didn't have any issues yesterday. But I can remember last year. But there you year, go. When, but that's the, to your point, Yahoo is a tech first company. Right. And Yahoo last year made some upgrades to their fantasy football uh, app and there were issues with it. Uh, so I remember that frustration. It was frustrating. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that I think that is telling. You're right. Yahoo is is a is a tech company. I think they they probably get uh, the power of of fantasy football a little bit more than than CBS and or uh, Disney. And uh, and I think you probably see the leagues going going that way. Well, I think it kind of fell into their laps because they had they just the content is there. So they're just yeah. like, well, why not offer fantasy football as an engagement on our site? Because yeah, we and, already have all the fantasy football news. Why not have a league? Yeah, and, and well? I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for a partnership. Even I'm not saying that you know Twitter or Facebook necessarily needs to develop their own fantasy football league, but maybe there is the opportunity there for a partnership because certainly Yahoo is in the boat of needing to forge those kinds of partnerships to be able to grow their business uh, organically as well because it's not like they've got it all figured out yet. I mean, they cover the World Cup pretty well, and then there's Stock Twits, which is like a Twitter for for mm-hmm. stock trading or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely potential there. All right, Marissa, you out there? You listening? <laughs> Give Dick Costello a call. You guys make it work. That's right. If the NFL itself were a stock, would you buy it? When you consider everything we've learned over the last couple of years about the health issues of players, concussions, uh, and the the off the field problems that continue to crop up. I look at it as a stock that would probably continue to do well for the next few years, but I think I would I think it is a stock that I would I would revisit on an annual basis. What about you, Taylor? 
Um, I, I'd be nervous. I wouldn't be buying it. I, I think it's a, a very, very greedy organization. Um, they, if you look at the money that they bring in compared to their payrolls, compared to the amount of money that they actually donate to charities to remain a nonprofit, it's pretty slim. Uh, there's a lot of money going to the top and uh, a lot of money, obviously, to the players. But the staff and and the charities don't get their don't get their fill. And that kind of worries me from an ethical standpoint. And there's I mean, unless they go international, I don't see the growth. That's going to be a tough move, I think, is to go outside the United States. And they're already kind of maximizing their profit here in the U.S., in my mind. I know that MLS soccer is not nearly as popular here in the United States as, for example, Premier League is over in the U.K. Mm -hmm. and Europe. And yet, when it comes to the World Cup, that seems to garner a tremendous amount of interest here in the States, sure. whereas I don't, I don't know how big the Super Bowl is around the world. But what yeah. about you, Jason? No, I think maybe once once ago I, I might have said yes, or maybe I did say yes. If I think maybe we've asked this question before, but but I, I, I would have to say no today. I mean, I think there are too many um, too many question marks out there, too many liabilities, and the health issues are concerning. I mean, I, I really feel like they need to get this in check because, I mean, I know they're they're sort of changing the rules a little bit to try to address that, but... I mean, I, I, I don't know the hard data there. I've got to believe there were fewer concussions in the days of leather helmets than there are today. I mean, I feel like that's maybe one way to really ease up on the concussions is these guys are so protected now. I mean, they just they just go at each other like, you know, projectiles. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Taylor. I just don't I don't see the growth there. It's huge here. I don't think it translates internationally nearly as well. Um, so I'm not have to take a pass. But as a consumer, hey, man, yeah, I love it. Yeah, let's let it, let it ride. We'll wrap up there. Thanks for being here, guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.